And now, Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. I gotta go. Go outside. Just almost. There we go. Nice. Okay, let me just get my creaks out of the way. (laughs) I I swear I grabbed the creakiest chairs in the office to do this (laughs) with. Test them out. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, here we go. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to it. This is episode 36. We're counting now. Hey, wait a second. 36. I know what that means. 36 divided by 12. What? We've been doing this three years of three this. Is, this years. is the three year episode. Nice. Way to okay. go. Way to go, us. Landmark. Are we having a party? Sure. Should we spritz each other with that water bottle? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Spritz the telefunken? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no spritzing the microphone. Diaphragms love water. Good tip. <laughs> they also like to be dunked in vinegar and covered in paint. Sure. Bad advice hour. <laughs> the 36th episode is all the worst advice ever. Let's just give terrible <laughs> advice. Uh, so, what's going on? Uh, launching a bunch of stuff. That's good. Busy week. Yeah, you're um, good. By the time this airs, Splitter Critters will be out. Cool. Should be very nice to have that finished. Nice. Um, that'll be our first game launched with our internal tool. Oh, nice. Um, nice, nice. It was nice, except during the... Uh, during the global game jam, we had some pretty hairy errors pop up, and oh, that yeah. was like that was like f- finish time. Yeah, and all of a sudden, all these errors started popping up. So, so we're uh, we're reapproaching the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to dump that on on devs anymore. Um, yeah, so we're I'll, I'll get into it. We're actually uh, so we're gonna work with um, you know Gabriel Koenig. Yep, he's making Jet Omero. Okay. It's a it's a game, and he, so he's he's kind of a holistic developer, but he also used to do audio specifically. I believe it's Slant Six or UFG. Uh huh. So he's going to come on and help out um, with developing our tool. Cool. And we're going to help him on uh, Jet Omero. Right. That way we can test it in a game without embarrassing yep. ourselves <laughs> in front of developers. That's good. Um, when things go wrong. There's nothing like saying we come with a tool and then it. And then the tool slows Shitting things down a bit. Bed. However, however, Splitter Critters is one of our best sounding games. Yep. It sounds amazing. Cool. I'm so happy with it right now. Um, soundtrack's done. And yeah, and for all intents and purposes, we got it done early enough that we got to actually get to the polish phase. Nice. nice so nice. that's nice. Like now we're looking for extra things to do on yep. it. So that's, not, that's pretty sweet. Um, then I got to finish up the cellar door games thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just for content lock, we still have no launcher announcement or anything. Um, and uh, Night in the Woods is coming out on February yeah. 21st. So My birthday. It was nice of them to move the release to my birthday. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. So they, it's nice. They, thanks they thanks listen for to putting your, out. Uh, they listen to your email? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'd really like this if it was my birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> so M is kind of cramming on that right now. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, there was another thing. Oh, we have an Oclos update coming up as well. Yep. That was kind of flash in the pan. Actually, no, they told me about it ages, but... <laughs> One of those that snuck up, up on you? Yeah, yeah. It's not. Oh, up. I've got, like, all the time in the world to do that. Wait yeah. a minute, I've only got a week. But it's also going to be done on time. Cool. And then I think we have a new Smarter Everyday video coming out, too, so it's like, <laughs> there's a lot to do. It's, it's definitely, we're, in, we're definitely in It Pours territory right now. Yeah. But then February is looking, like, pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Pretty nice. Manageable. Yeah. It's a nice spot to be in. Yeah. What about you guys? We're same old, same old. We're yeah. working away on stuff. Um, I'm concentrating back on on hot lava, which I hadn't been concentrating on as much right. lately. Which is a different 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 from the rest of the stuff we're doing. I'm finding because um, it's it's jumping and parkouring and moving and there's not a lot in the world per se. So it's not like a whole bunch of machines and like you mm-hmm. can't like the soundscape isn't filled up. So it's very like it's very intimate on the movement of the character. Right. So Almost like tunnel to, vision. I have to really dig in deep onto these small, small, minute things 
to make it interesting. So right. it's, it's I feel like there's less crutches to lean on. Um to be like, oh, just, you know, make another monster, make another, you know, ma- machine, like, just throw this in there and it fills up the space. It's like, no, 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 there's none of that's there. Right, right, so right. Details matter. Yeah, it's really going to be really detail-oriented. Can't bury it, bury it in BGs and music. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm digging into, like, what fully means in, in that game in the context of what you are in that game and stuff, so... It's interesting. Right. It's interesting. It's a different challenge than well. And some this of the is your stuff. first 3D game in a long time too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I haven't done anything 3D in a long time. Yeah, yeah. like since before I was born. <laughs> Punch. Well, well, not that that long. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the last 3D game I did though. Wasn't uh, wasn't when I was freelance. Would have been EA. Yeah. Back when I was at EA. So NFS or NHL, right? Uh, it would have been PSP NFS games. Oh, okay. Um, so whatever that is, a long time ago. It's after I was born. <laughs> it's like eight years ago. Okay, nine years ago. <laughs> That's not so bad. <laughs> I could I could have a kid as old as as the <laughs> as the last time I did a 3D game <laughs> <laughs> that had a brain and functioned and was in elementary school and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so what we're talking about today Yeah, so is, uh we both were global as you mentioned, global game jam happened. Mm-hmm. Uh hopefully everybody got a chance to do something in that or some people did, maybe, I don't know. It's cool. It's a fun yeah. thing to do. We got to poke our heads in. So, we we uh we have a kind of more formal audio group for the Vancouver Global Game Jam that has been organized where the audio people kind of group together mm-hmm. and become a pool for the rest of uh, the people doing games, which is really cool. A tree. It is a tree. It is a tree of audio, as it's it called were. called the tree of audio. Is, yeah. Um, so that's really cool because it means the audio people don't have to, like, go around and, like, just smoosh people so much of, like, hey, what are you doing? Do you need an audio guy? Hey, what are you doing? Do you need mm-hmm. an audio person? You know, they get to be like, hey, we're all over here. Come come over and ask for audio. Yeah. And then they divvy up amongst the people that are there. So it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so Deliver us thine asset lists. Yeah. Um, so as part of that, uh, they organize people like us to come in and give some talks on the Friday night because there's no audio work to do on Friday night. Everyone's still figuring out what games they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we both participated in this. Um, along with Jeff along from with Jeff Power from Up. Power Up. Uh, so the three of us uh, talked about stuff and <laughs> repeated a lot of what each other said. Yeah, we kind of gave the same talk three times. <laughs> In three different ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so hopefully that drove things very, very home. I, I was talking to Jeff beforehand. Yeah. Um, going like, hey, what are you talking about? And he showed me a slide deck, and I was like, I've just got this sheet of paper. Um, and I, <laughs> So I showed him my notes, and we're like, oh, yeah, there's, like, definitely some crossover. But same idea We when we were talking. was like, well, the things that we're saying together is the stuff that needs to be driven home. Yes. Um, so Jeff talked about the forming of Power Up um, mm-hmm. and the differences between uh, working for your own company and working for a company. Um, and what that means and what it means to be a contractor in those positions. And yeah, and there's was a lot of just starting from nothing. Yeah. Because they had, well, working at Somatone, they re- oh, you, can, you can go listen to, I believe it's episode 14. Oh, nice. Because I think Jeff remembers. <laughs> uh, where we talked to Jeff and how yeah. they, working at Somatone, they never got to interact with their developers. Yeah. So for like five years... They did all this audio work and got all these skills on their own because there was no one there to train them mm-hmm. and uh, had no contacts when they yeah. decided to go out on their own. So very, yeah. very, very much pounding pavements. They sent out 600 emails. Yeah. 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 He said in the first while it was like 600 emails. And that's almost zero per- – well, I think 0.1% of them became clients yeah. in the end. Yeah, so it's like – crazy. <laughs> It was. Uh, I think it was very eye-opening for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, and then so he had a nice slide deck, and it was nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, he also had crumpled up an actual crumpled up script. Yes. Yeah. He had so, notes that he was looking at and constantly crumpling up. A little bit of both. <laughs> uh, um, and then you talked about 
So I talked about uh, kind of negotiations. So kind of Jeff did sort of getting into the industry. I yeah. did when you're in the industry. Yeah. The kind of compromises and negotiations you're going to have to make. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I kind of went off topic and didn't actually talk <laughs> necessarily about conflict resolution that much. Yeah. And did that's what you wanted to talk that's about. That's what kind of spurred all my thoughts. Though. Yeah. And then um, you veered off. I too had slides. Yes. So I I had a sheet of paper. Yeah. Um, mine was uh, the abridged version of all the things I wish I had been told when I was trying to break into the industry. Yeah. And I had like so just brain dump random collection of thoughts and catchphrases and like it just veered all over the place. It felt like I dare say it was very matesque. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was as expected, I think. <laughs> um, so what were some of the... What it was some, let's get into what uh, you talked about. Yeah, since I knew mine the best. So yeah. I wanted to approach kind of like battles and negotiations. I called it battles to be mm-hmm. flamboyant, but <laughs> really it's more nego- negotiations and, and uh, compromise and sacrifice. And I wanted to approach it from um, the perspective of... Being a client, yep. which I have been, being a contractor, which I am all the time, mm-hmm. um, being an employer, mm-hmm. which I am now, which is a new one, Yeah. Um, uh, being an artist, and that might have been it. That's good. Be- there might have been another one. Um, oh, being like a business owner, which right. is different from being an employer mm-hmm. as well, because you can be a business owner all on your own and not employ right. anyone. Yeah. Um, so, we can hop into, and, and we can back and forth it rather than me just talk at you. So, just, talk, just talk at me, Gord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, specifically, so I think it, we could start with as a client because it's very good to picture yourself as a client even if you haven't been one yet because you're going to be the contractor for clients. So, right. it's good to understand. So, um, in the, so, in this case, the dev is the client. The dev is the client, but for us, a lot of the time, you, we might be working with outsourcers or artists. Right. Like yep. I've been a client for several artists, mm-hmm. um, and what kind of negotiations you're going to have to, you're going to run into, and there's a yeah. lot of overlap. Yeah, like really, it doesn't matter what the field is. Mm-hmm. Client contractor relationships are almost identical everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's a, there are a few really good talks on YouTube by a guy called Mike Montero, mm-hmm. who's gotten hyper-political these days, so <laughs> be aware of that. Yep. Um, but they are very impassioned talks on being a, being a contractor yep. and working with clients. So I recommend those. Is that, uh, That's the fuck you pay me I guy. I was going to say, yeah. So he's got some other talks that are really good, too. Yep. Um, and they're specific to design as a broad in a yeah. broad sense, because they're sort of graphic designers, but really they're kind of UX, a, there, UX designers, so it's all-encompassing. Yeah. Uh, having talked to a lot of graphic designers, um, too, there is – I think there's a lot of overlap in kind of what the problems we deal with as audio contractors and audio people dealing with devs and whatever. Like, I I feel like the, the graphic design people get a lot of the same – like, hey, you just love doing this. Why don't you do it for free? Uh, like, you know, like, no, oh, times. why should I pay for this? It's just, you know, my, well, my cousin can do this. Like, I know. don't like that one. Do it again to- completely differently, even though the one you did is the one I asked for. Yeah. But I only want to pay once. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of commonality there. So there's a um, – those sort of talks are totally applicable to, okay. to what we so, do. So let's start out. So yeah. you are a client now. Let's say you're getting art done for a business card. Right. Um, you don't plan it out well. You say, I want a sound wave hitting the side of a concrete wall and smashing it. And then you get an artist to do that. Yeah. And they deliver back exactly what you asked for. Yeah. And you say, I hate it. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Well, if, if, if I know what I'm doing or if I don't. Yes. <laughs> well, what have we done wrong already? Well, we haven't given proper feedback. We, n- We've before. given bad instruction to begin with. Yeah, exactly. So it starts with bad instructions. Yeah. You can't, unless, and maybe you you probably also haven't researched the artist. Right. So the only time I would make that unspecific request is if I had 
look, I had tracked down the artists. Yeah. Um, say like Trudy Castle, I really like, uh, and being and said, uh, Trudy, this is what I want. Can you do that in your style? Yeah. And that takes a lot of creative control away from me. Mm-hmm. But personally, I don't want that creative control. I kind of tend to leave art to the artists. Yeah. But you you have to kind of look at yourself and how controlling you are from a creative perspective. Yeah. And and visualize, you know, and yeah. and give some freedom if that's the case. Whereas, it was like um, when Jesse Turner was doing uh, album art for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, do something. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. And he gave me something. I was like, that's rad. And I was done. Yeah. And if... I, I didn't go like, uh, was what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. Well, because I didn't give him any instruction. Yeah. I let him be the artist that he is. So, like, the moment you give bad direction, you yeah. kind of, you forfeit <laughs> the right to provide feedback and expect a lot of revision work, or expect right. heavy revision work, at least. You can ask for things like color changes. So, like I've said before, within the scope, and this is something you need to make clear to your clients, mm-hmm. um, but as a client yourself, you should understand, is that it has to be within the scope of the original request. Otherwise, you can expect to at least pay again, yep. or maybe pay a discounted version Some sort again. of premium because of that. Yeah, because yeah. they just did a bunch of work and you were going to throw it out because you're, you were a bad director. Yeah. Um, so, gonna, I want to just flip that for a second, yeah. which is going to make this all this talk really muddy. Yeah. Um, from the other side, I think the key, one of the key things is when somebody gives you that bad direction to like stop things there and get clarity. Exactly. Like if you can see like, no, I don't, this, is, this is not clear. Mm-hmm. then, like, don't go down that path and then get to that point where you're like, I don't like it. Well, you know, like, get the clarity going forward. Go, okay, what, do you, what exactly do you mean by a sound wave smashing into a brick wall? Yeah. You know. What to, style do you want it in? Can you provide some references? Yeah. Um, because, like, this just happened to us, basically. We had a client give us a, a, a list Yep. A very a pretty non-specific list. They would not elaborate on it um, very much. Ooh. They didn't. They weren't into talking about things for the most part. <laughs> and then we delivered things that did what the list said, and they didn't like it at all. They completely dis. They hated the aesthetic. Yeah. And they would not explain why. So we couldn't even achieve. We couldn't even make it to their like more to their taste through re- revisions because they weren't willing to provide feedback. Um, that sounds so frustrating. So we, so, but it's our mistake because we made the assumption that they had researched our work. And as soon as you've made an assumption, it's your damn fault Yeah. As a, as, a, as a contractor. But as a client, I try to be a little more empathetic. Yeah. And, but we did make the assumption that they knew what our style was because we, mm-hmm. have, we have a style for yeah. sure. And they should have, you know, checked out a few of our games <laughs> to discover that yeah. they hated our style. Um, but we also shouldn't have assumed that. Yeah. Right? But I also don't want to be that client necessarily. Yeah. Um, so it is a mindfulness thing. <laughs> yep. Look in, look outwards, empathy, all that. Yeah. So I think that's my most of my client, being a good client spiel. Mm-hmm. It is it is the reverse of being a contractor. Yeah. Um, think think if you're the client, think about what you would want. Yeah. Like what what do you want to get as whether it's whether you're subcontracting somebody or you're you know, hiring a graphic designer or yeah. getting your website done or whatever like. Yeah. What what information would you want? What what kind of empathy would you want out of? And when it comes down to it, there's you don't need to know what you want. Yeah. And that's fine. You just have to accept the relinquishment of control and spend more time finding the person that's right for you. Right. Rather than, like, what happened to us, I think, was um, this person thought all sound designers are the same. All sound designers created equal. They will read my mind and do what I want. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which I think everybody does. I think we do that. uh, I, I know I've done that with... Artists, uh, web designers, everything in the past. Just assumed everyone, like, you have this title, therefore you can do everything. Right. And that's definitely not the case. Yeah. 
So search, research. Yeah. Do your damn research. Yeah. Find, <laughs> if you don't have very specific line items, find somebody who can fill those holes with whatever style or just you like. If you're just like, I like everything this person does, chances yeah. are you're going to like what they do for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's almost guaranteed. And if they don't, if they have a bad day or something, then you still should cover your bases, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so rolling from that, and and we don't have to cover this heavily, I don't think. Like, So as a contractor, you're going to run into a lot of these same battles that yep. we just went over. Um, but also, you're going to run into a lot of, and I guess this can roll nicely. I didn't bring my bullet points or anything, so yep. it's going to be kind of mush. Um, That's what the podcast usually is. It's all mush. <laughs> so you have to take a lot of your... Let me, let me roll back. Yep. As a contractor, so now you have to be the one with the contract. Mm -hmm. Or you have to at least pay a lot more attention to the contracts. Um, the clients should also be paying very much attention to the contracts, and they might even be providing it. Yeah. But you as a contractor have to at least have one on deck. Yeah. Um, and we've covered this before. Always best to get it done by a lawyer. Yeah. can be a few hundred bucks. It's uh, going to be worth it in the end. Um, but the thing I like to drive home that I wanted to drive home the most with the talk itself yeah. is that, in my opinion... Like, while the end, like, meaning mm -hmm. of the contract is to make sure everything is tight when things go wrong. Yeah. The more, like, beneficial result of doing a contract is planning. Yeah. And knowing exactly what the expectations of you are. Like, so, mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's going to happen where... You start working on a thing, and your the client might be like, "What? You don't do music?" Yeah, and you say, "What? Uh, I'm just a sound designer." I'm just a sound designer. I thought sound designers did music. Yeah, so it's the catch-all thing. You have to accept the big, people are not in the sound design world at all. I, I thought I was paying for sound and music. Yeah, no, 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 no. We only budgeted for sound design. Yeah, that's like half. Yeah, so no one else is in this bubble. Other than sound designers. <laughs> so you have to treat everyone like they're in kindergarten yeah. when it comes to sound design a lot of the time. Um, uh, even experienced developers sometimes. Yeah. We're kind of a, a bit of a black box for a lot of people. Yes. Just yeah. whatever. Something happens. Something and happens. Then sounds and music come out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something that is covered in detail in a contract. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? To what level does it need to be done? Mm -hmm. What is your revision? What are your re revision rules going to be like? Um, you got to dot all your T's, cross yeah. all your I's, and that's sort of a big, a big open-ended thing where it can be as much as or as little as what you you know want it to be. Mm -hmm. It's just that like make sure that all these things that you need to talk about are covered. Yeah, you know. That are, that are in there. And it can say, I'm doing everything. Or it can see, I am just doing sound effects for level five. Yeah. You need, you need a, like a buzzer alarm in your head. Every time the word assumption comes up, I yeah. assume comes up. Well, I assume. Bing, 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 bing. You don't, don't assume. Yeah. Just don't. Today I assumed the, for the Oklos update, they would want the trailer uh, before the sound effects done if it came down to it. Mm -hmm. Um. I, w I was like, well, I mean, they'll probably want the trailer to be real nice. Yeah. And the sound effects, we can just we can just patch in later. Yeah. But I had my dinger go off uh -oh. in my brain. Yeah. said, you just assumed something. You better ask. Yeah. And guess what? No, they want the sound effects in the game first. Yeah. And if, if anything has to suffer, they, they think the trailer should suffer. Right. If we happen to run out of time because Joey got real sick this week. Yeah, something's going around. Yeah. He said he yeah. was just... Puking for like twelve hours straight oh, sounded it's, awful. It's the worst. Yeah, when you get like the feeling like you just did a bunch of sit-ups because you're throwing <laughs> up all the day, all day the day before, it's horrendous. Uh, that's that's the kind of stuff people want on this podcast. It's a good exercise <laughs> regime. I tell you what. 
Except you die. <laughs> if you do it long enough to get abs. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Big dinger for assumptions. Yeah. Don't assume jack shit. Make, make sure, anytime you have an assumption, make sure it's covered in your contract. Yeah, no dumb questions in contract stuff. Yeah. Because everybody feels clueless with contracts a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, payment dates. Payment frequency. Are there going to be caps on the payment? If it's a revenue share agreement, do they have to pay you forever? Right. Yeah. Or, Is there a time limit? Is there uh, don't don't ever do when game ships? Don't do it when game ships. That's the worst line to like final payment on game ships. That game is never shipping. Yes, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> what's going to happen. You, you just jinxed yourself. You you just worked on the next Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> <laughs> um. If it is a revenue share contract, do your payments reset if they port to another console? Mm-hmm. Um, all these things. What if? What if? What if? Um, what if? Talk to experienced people. Uh, look how all like look how games work and yeah. how are they making all their money? Something I talked about uh, recently with somebody was put a, a minimum payout on rev share so that if you're getting paid out monthly. Mm-hmm. And there is a minimum because nobody wants to deal with little payments like, oh, I got to send that guy five bucks. And oh, yeah. now I got to send him like 250 again. Like putting a minimum payout number c- can be beneficial to the, the developer because they're like, yeah, if there's less than 100 bucks, like just roll it over into the next month. Don't send me like little things. Yeah, exactly. So like that can show that you're like looking out for the developers as well. Like, yeah. you know, you're not just like, give me, give me, give me. Well, and that's the big, that's the most important part of these contracts is they are not meant to be, you don't want your contract to be predatory. You don't want it yeah. to be, um, you don't want to be sneaking things in that are for the good of you. This is mm-hmm. to protect a professional relationship. Yeah. So be fair. Um, it's there, it's there for both of you. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's not a one way deal. Um, also, I think as a contractor, there are things that, Will happen during work mm-hmm. that you that you have to negotiate on the spot. Like um, when clients request things that and you have no time. Yep. Um, what do you do there? So yeah, if the, if the scope of the game radically changes or some sort of design changes, and like, hey, now there's this whole new thing that was never thought of. Yeah. Before. So and again, these are things that you may want to cover in a contract. Yeah. Uh, beforehand, a lot of the time, in practice, like I am not going to stick to some contract things by the word. They are just to cover myself in in worst case scenarios. So yeah, I might want something in a contract saying that if the developer makes a request, there's no guarantee it'll be fulfilled within 48 hours or 24 hours. You right. know? Yeah. Um, or longer, and that just helps with the with the planning. If if developers know this, then they're not going to rush you into things. Yeah. But a lot of the time, it's going to fall on you, and you just kind of have to make a decision yeah. on what's the importance on this. How how bad is it going to mess up my my life <laughs> to take care of it? Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about employees, we'll, we can talk about like how you don't want to mess up their lives either. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so yeah, anything else you can think of as being a contractor, or you, or Clay working with contractors, in a general sense, yeah, that, no, that come to mind. I think that's kind of the yeah, yeah, yeah. We always we always have our contractors in house mm-hmm. for audio, right? Because um, because of the way we work, it's just so much more efficient to have them here and be able to, because we're so document light. Right. That being able to be like, no, you just need to go talk to the game designer. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, go talk to the artist and he'll show you some concept art and just do those things. So, like, being mm-hmm. here and, like, we're kind of forced to be like, no, they, we you have to open up these communication avenues. Yeah. You know, so it's not really, that's not really a contract thing. Um, but, and I mean, I'm I'm self-confessed. I'm not the best at giving revision notes to my contractors. <laughs> you you worked under me. You probably it was fine. I fe- maybe I'm I feel I'm worse than I am. Right. When I'm just just like I'm just the total like no I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Make it different. 
But I do feel like I give contractors a lot of that, like, well, I'm getting you because you're creative and, and do your thing. Well, and that's um, the nice like thing we about working about, uh, hourly as well. Yeah, yeah. So my contractors, we, we are hourly. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, I talked about it at the talk. At some point, I was like, um, somebody was talking about giving the freedom of, you know, hiring the artist for being the artist mm-hmm. uh, when we were talking on the Friday night. And I was like, I, I, you were working on shipwreck stuff. And I was like, there's a crab. The yeah. crab needs to make a sound. I don't know what it should sound like. Just make a crab sound. Mm-hmm. And I walked away. And then you made the crazy, weird thing. Just screamed. And it was hilarious. And I'm like, (laughs) I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't have come up with that. (laughs) And I wouldn't have known how to direct that out of you. It was just like, no, like, do your thing. Tiny Zoidberg. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Done. (laughs) And it's like one of the most popular sounds in the game. So, like, letting. Letting your the the people run with their own creativity is incredibly important. Yeah, and uh, with regard to your contract yeah. and payment, like, hey, uh, we'll get to the creativity thing again when I'm talking about the employees. Yeah, section. But um, when you're a contractor and when you're a client, realizing that poor revision notes frustrate your contractor more or less, depending on the contract type. Right. So if this is, so if it's a per asset payment plan. Yeah, with X number of revisions with, per asset. Then your contractor shouldn't get frustrated for revision, revision requests, but they will. And you as a contractor will. <laughs> even, if it, even when it's within. Yeah. Um, if, if you're allowed three revisions for each sound mm-hmm. and your client... F- asks for three revisions on every single thing you deliver, yep. you shouldn't get mad because it's in your contract, yep. but you will. But you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to express that to you're them. You're not allowed to express that to because it's fully um, in their right. The The thing that I get frustrated in those sorts of situations is not the, like, I'm going to ask you for all the revisions I'm allowed. Yeah. It's the the quality of the revision notes mm-hmm. of that. If If you're giving me, like, Solid, like, no, I want blah, blah, X, here's a list of how I want it revised. Awesome. Mm-hmm. If you're just on a fishing expedition yeah. of like, no, nah, I don't like it. Can you just change it? That's what I find frustrating. Yeah. that Well, that's outside of the scope of the original request, which is my wording, yep. my contract. And then you pay again. Right. But, so the, but the reason being that every time you revise, you lose money yeah. um, as a contractor. Yeah. So, yeah, it's time. You're losing, you're losing time, you're losing money. If you're on hourly but or if you're, if you're on revenue share, whatever. Revise till the cows come home. Who cares? Yeah. Um, don't eat time. Do a good <laughs> job. If you're just doing a crappy job so you can make more money, then you're an asshole. Yeah. Um, so don't do that. Well, you still, even on an hourly, you still have to balance how much stuff needs to be made by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So you can't be like, well, I revised that one footstep for two weeks, uh, and now I can't do anything else because the you know the game's shipping. Oh yeah, dollar. you're screwed. Yeah. Um, so you still got to balance that. But yeah, on an hourly, like whatever, I'll yeah, I'll revise till the cows come home. As long I just want to make you happy, like yeah, just do a good job. Yeah. Um, because clients paying hourly can probably they understand that they're paying for creativity and probably perfection in mm-hmm. a sense. Yeah. Um, and they can afford to, otherwise they wouldn't do it. Yep. Uh, anyway, so rolling into what would be better ne- best next? Probably being an employer. Sure. And what we think is good. So I'm taking a lot of notes from your employer, Jamie. Yeah. I think. I'm yeah. trying to. He's like, a good employer. Everybody here is happy. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he talks about it or what, or if I'm just <laughs> doing it from what my observations, yeah. basically. It's a fairly flat system. Yeah. Um. Though I do think I do think it's an important it's important for there, be, there to be like someone to go through mm-hmm. necessarily, but I don't know. We're all self managed. Everybody likes it. Yeah, so, I think it's. Um, I've noticed with working with contractors mm-hmm. here, um, both like in house and externally and stuff. Um, I've noticed some of the differences that like things I feel work for us here mm-hmm. that don't necessarily work for, for contractors. Right. Like, like we're really document light. Yes. 
Um, and it works because all of us can go over and talk to right whoever. But if you're not in the office, then you can't do that, and that becomes harder. So in those cases, yeah, you you more need that point person to go through to like get that knowledge for you. So yeah. if you're like, all right, there is there's no grand up-to-date design doc, which there's never an up-to-date design doc. So that mm-hmm. that holds true for everybody, I think. And just wrangling that kind of organization out of thin air can be so if very you ha- difficult. Yeah, if you're completely flat, then who do you turn to? Mm-hmm. To get, like, as the contractor working with a flat company, you're like, who, who do I ask about this? I need, you know, I need to know about level 12. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Um, you need some sort of I'm totally agreeing. You need some sort of figurehead to go through to be like, hey, who do I ask about level 12? And either that person gets you the information or they point you to, oh, go talk to that person. Yeah. You know, so so there is, yeah, that's necessary in in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, I think flat is great for a, internally in a studio, mm-hmm. but when you inter- start interfacing with outside groups. Yeah. That's when you start to need that. Right, right, right. Um, I think I think it's good for reasons of agency mm-hmm. and creativity. Yeah, and people feeling like their their voice matters and their opinion matters. Yeah, um, because there's nothing that drives me crazy that has driven people I've worked with crazier more than just following orders. You know? Yeah, and there's nothing. And I've worked at factories. Yeah, okay. Well, that's not exactly nothing. what you do. But there's an incredibly, it's really bad when the the person you're reporting to or whatever, working with, you don't feel that they are making decisions that they want, that mm-hmm. they are second-guessing the decisions of the layer of bureaucracy above them. Yes. Because that just, like, keeps going, keeps going. And then you're like, well, who's actually, like, putting their soul into this game? Nobody. They're just... Everybody's second guessing everybody else. Yeah, and that feeling In- sucks, including like the consumer. Yeah, yeah, or especially the consumer, <laughs> rather than accepting that you are a consumer yourself and that you might, you know, have a valid opinion on right. stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that that every every sort of l- layer and person having agency about what they're doing is a great feeling. Yeah, um, and it also means. That I don't have to micromanage, right? Um, which I love because I I hate micromanaging, <laughs> and people hate being micromanaged for the yeah. most part. Uh, which is why, so as an employer, I spent a lot of time tr- finding the people that are working for me now. Yeah, like I really knew their work very intimately. Yeah, and that I could trust their 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 style to like be. Uh, complementary to my own, and their skills to be complementary to my own. Yeah, um, and that I would like what they what they do, and I don't have to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do, but usually my my revision notes are notes wind up being super minimal. Yeah, because we're kind of all looking to, looking at the same stuff and for the same stuff. Yeah, so that's that's nice, um, and everybody else gets to feel ownership for these games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to be putting my name on games that I didn't touch, you know? Yeah. They'll have the company name on it, but whoever was the lead, yeah. they'll, they'll, they can have all the glory. <laughs> <laughs> um, pay, there are payment, payment models, I think, that can help provide uh, ownership and uh, or a sense, of, a sense of ownership and incentive yep. to people to, to continue enjoying their work. As well, which I think mm-hmm. are really important. Um, we do. Everybody gets a revenue share. If there are revenue share contracts, everybody gets a, a cut of that. Yeah. At our company. Yeah. So I think that's good. Um, that that breeds a you get in what you you get out what you put in mm-hmm. mentality, which I think is valuable. Uh, and I I know some companies do like shares shares. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure it can be, can be done. Like shares of shares of the company. So if the company ever defaults goes or public something, or it's sell, it's get sold or whatever. Yeah, you get a yeah. bit of that. So I think that's that's handy too. Um, that sounds that seems scary to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the create the creativity part is the big one. Mm-hmm. Is 
being like, this is yours. Yeah. And Run with it. Take yeah, it. It's, so it's you working with the developer. It's not you working through me, yeah. who, who is the only one that talks to the developer. You yeah. Know? Um, so then, like, the rapport is, is there, mm-hmm. and I get to cut myself out and do my creative stuff Yeah. as well. So I kind of picture, I kind of view myself as another employee, and my job is music and, and business crap. Yeah. And then everyone else is like project management of their own projects. Yeah. And asset creation and impl- implementation and everything else. So, yeah. Being able to manage yourself is incredibly important if you're yeah. an indie indie audio person. Yeah. Like this is these these are the really boring like things that, you know, they're not teaching you at sound design school. Yeah, this is, isn't this is, isn't plugging things into the dope for. No, this is, you know, like yeah, you you need to know how to schedule yourself and multiple projects and change your schedule when other schedules change and like all that yeah. boring stuff. Yeah. Totally. Um Trello. A lot of tre- I'm still bad at Trello. Yep. M's got this beautiful Trello set up for everyone. Everyone's using it. I kind of just pop in every two weeks. And I'm like, ugh, got a <laughs> Trello stuff. That's a that's a thing where I feel um, like I've done a little bit of stuff with Trello. Um, I I for a while was just running through as many sort of different virtual physical like just as many different planning things as I like. Every game I'd try something new because. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't feel like I found the one that truly works for me, so I'll try this one. I'll yeah. try writing stuff down this way, and oh, I'll use this program. And like, there's just there is there's so many ways to do that that you can definitely find one that works for you. Post-it notes are still working okay for me. Yep, I'm still on a. Like, I'm, on, I'm on a post-it note kick. Yeah, I'm back to post-it notes like, again. Our brilliant organization idea. Yeah, is using <laughs> post-it notes for their original intended use. Yep. I was like, I'm so smart. Wait a second. <laughs> this is why they were invented. Um, the thing I really like about Post-it Notes is um, I've got uh, a riser that my monitors, my visual monitors, not my speakers, are on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little row along the front of that. Yeah. And I can fire up the game, play the game, write a bunch of notes on Post-it Notes, slap them right in front of my my Mac. That's exactly what I'm doing. And then move over and go, oh, okay, there right in front of my face is like a bunch of stuff to do. Yeah, mine go on my Mac And itself. then I can just, you know, cross them off, crumple them up. And there's nothing like crumpling up a Post-it note when you're done. I, I stack them all neatly in a pile. Oh, yeah. And then throw out, but throwing out the wad <laughs> feels good. Yeah. Big wad of <laughs> P-notes. Nice. <laughs> um. Other other things as an employer, so yep. that's that's keeping people creatively fulfilled, an agency, and like making them like what they're doing. Yeah, uh, one that I don't know if I'm struggling with it yet, but I can see it happening is overworking people and avoiding that. Yeah, um, or or if you hire people that are very well self managed and passionate, you have to rein them in from overworking themselves. Right, um, because I I catch Chris and Ammon. And Joey working at 11 p.m. all the time. And yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And like, yeah. You, stop you it. need to stop it. <laughs> Don't burn out. Um, I mean, I'm thankful, like, we have a very no-crunch kind of studio here. So mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, but I've always got, like, side projects. I'm doing my own music stuff. and mixing stuff for people. And so what I've started trying um, in the last little while is, because um, I think relaxation is really important. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, okay, every night I will do up to an hour of side project stuff. Cool. I will I will have dinner with my girlfriend. We will sit and watch TV. But, you know, at some point I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to spend one hour doing, like, this extra creative whatever stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm limiting it so that I'm still, like, no, I'm not, like, coming home from working all day and jumping back onto my computer and then sitting four there hours. for another yeah, four yeah. or five hours and being like, oh, my God. Um, so I'm like, no, I'm do that for an hour. I'm like, all right, that's done. Now I'm going to read a book, mm-hmm. you know, and like m- sort of scheduling that so I have my scheduled almost relaxation time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think that's good. I don't have that yet, but I have been doing it more. Yeah. Anyway, playing more. Yeah. Uh, playing The Witness. Nice. Finally. Oh man. <laughs> Shouldn't be. No game should be allowed to be that smart. It's ridiculous. 
<laughs> the thing, man, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, I'm way behind the times on that, but uh, it's so crazy. Was there any more? The last one was uh, short. The last yes. one is short. Um, this is something that's been on my mind since since we did have, like, we had, I had a really good year last year, but not on all fronts. It wasn't as good as it was supposed to be. Yeah. You know? Uh, a lot of our a lot of our games that we thought were going to be gangbusters, and we'd been, you know, fully expecting them to be gangbusters for up to three and a half years. Yeah, were not gangbusters. Um, Fossil Echo underperformed. Uh, Viking Squad underperformed. Um, Clay has since acquired Slick Entertainment. Yeah, we did. Um, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's the best it would have gone, but basically the game didn't sell the way we wanted it to sell. Mm-hmm. It was heartbreaking. So, as an artist, um, you will experience crushing blows like this. Yes. Uh, where the best, the best thing you ever made is going to go completely unrecognized. Yeah. Um, not necessarily panned. These haven't been panned, but there is a, yeah. there is a chance that the thing you love the most is going to be panned as well mm-hmm. not just under uh, underappreciated but actively disliked because it falls into the wrong community hands or something yeah um and i think it's it's important to uh to let it go and keep moving forward yeah um fossil echo is the best sounding game we'd ever made mm-hmm. uh to date that um and we didn't do the soundtrack but i know john believes that that is his yep. best his best work to date and nobody heard it yeah and it's real sad Totally, but you you can't. So it's this. You almost have to approach it like a relationship. Like you you loved this thing, and yep. you poured your heart and soul into it for several years, and you worked really hard. But you can't beat a dead thing back to life. Basically, <laughs> you you can't just keep trying to yeah make people like this thing. There's a there's a point at which walking away is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know when that is necessarily, yeah. but it's a pretty short window these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to hope it falls into the right hands that are going to spread it around someday. Yeah. Um, but until then, you're not you're not going to run out of creative juices. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't be doing this for a living. It's not it's not a well you can just tap out. Yeah. So keep keep rolling. <laughs> You'll do. You have the next best thing you've ever done is not that far away. Which that comes up to a question. Question time. Uh, I think segues nicely. Andy Martin asks, if you couldn't work in games, would you still be doing something with sound, and what would it be? I'd probably pursue film, yep. even though I have not liked my experiences in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably still go for that. I'd, still, I'd be back to doing music. Yeah. I'd be mixing music and recording music. Yeah. I'd pursue film, film, or else, yeah, just composition straight up. Yeah, yeah. Um, outside of games, I guess. Yeah. And then otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying running a company, so mm-hmm. I could probably run some other kind of company. I'd definitely still be involved. Like, if I wasn't a recording engineer, which would be my fallback like thing if I wasn't in games, I'd still be doing something in sound. Yeah. I, yeah, I just like mucking with sound. I'm yeah, it is the funnest. Stuff. Yeah. So... Um, or something outside. I'd like to be outside again. Yeah, yeah. I long for that. Outside there, is overrated. There are some. Sometimes I miss. If I, was, if I was back to being a recording engineer, I'd back to be like I'm a complete night owl. I don't right. see daylight ever. <laughs> I'm total vampire mode. I could be. I I I long to have a cabin in the woods sometime. You know, full just, of recording gear. Just oh yeah, <laughs> that is kind that's of, where I'd be like. That is kind I, of the reason I isn't have it? a record of a cabin you with know, a studio in it, chopping wood, <laughs> bow hunting, learning how to throw an axe. Uh, um, all right. Also from Andy Martin, do you prefer sound designer or audio designer? Why? Do you see a value? You see or value a difference between the two, and which are you? I I think I am. Well, I prefer sound designer just because that's the word I I know it as. I yeah. feel it's more re- recognizable to more people. Audio. I hear audio designer from developers, um, 
and people that aren't sound designers, I guess mostly. Yeah, I don't I don't hear audio I don't actually hear audio designer that often. I'd probably go with sound designer. Mm-hmm. Same reason because it's more the more so it's the, the common term common thing. Uh, when I was at EA, we were audio artists. Yeah, um, that was a I liked that one. Sounds like sandwich artist. <laughs> I'm not into it. <laughs> uh, I feel like it, it should it actually. I, I feel more snooty about audio artists. About audio artists, yeah. I feel like I should be in a gallery doing right. an installation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so so I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> that that'd be something possibly I would also be doing if I wasn't doing games. It'd be like weird noise installation Those are projects. Such- those would be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes me want to maybe like go back to academia sometime. Yeah. Is to just come up with bizarre audio really installations. Crazy stuff. Uh all right. Um uh, Daniel McDonald asked, What are some of your favorite ways of using dynamic music? Favorite ways. I don't know if I have a favorite way. Yeah. I have a way that I use a lot. Mm-hmm. That I think I've worn out, and I need to switch. <laughs> yeah, switch. Um, which was I designed specifically for brawlers um, and games that are requiring a whole bunch of voices. Yeah, which is doing basically different f- stems that are the full mix mm-hmm. of different intensities, rather than rather than, than layers. vertical yeah. Uh, yeah. layers. I just do one horizontal long thing, and then it just hops from intensity to intensity. Yeah. Therefore, only taking up the the two voices. Um, I don't really have a favorite technical way of uh, using dynamic music. I just like dynamic music to say something to the player. Yeah. Like whatever, however the system works, or you know, is composed or whatever. To me, it's just all about it, like it having a reason to be dynamic. You know, I don't. I don't like, and this goes for any sound. I don't like just arbitrary. It does something. Mm-hmm. Well, why does it do that thing? Yeah. What What is it? What is it feeding back to the player by doing that thing? So I want my. I always want my dynamic music systems to like be telling the player something. Like if you're listening closely, you can be like, ah, you know, this is happening because the music changed. I know that. Like, I think that's a good angle. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Luca asked. We got. We just got a flood of questions right at the right at the bell. Oh man! Um, do you need to own a dynamic mic, and why? Uh, I guess it depends what you're doing. I have one. I haven't used it in a long time. Um, I think they're great because just like, high SPL. Yeah, loud stuff. Yeah. Uh, generally, dynamics are cheap, so you can put them in dangerous places. Bombproof. But I, I, I kind of always. Dread saying, you need X. Yeah, same. I hate being told, well, you can't do this job unless you have X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that's a great tool to have. And yeah, I'd put it, you know, put it in front if of someone. Loud things. Offers you one, don't turn them down. <laughs> they're they're handy to have for sure, but I don't know about. I don't think it's the same as the music studio thing where it's like you got to have a fifty-seven. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, they used it on on uh, Thriller. I just remember that you know, we used it to set 57 on Thriller. No, it's a for se- the, uh, SM7. For the, for the hi-hats, we oh. used the 57. What? Yeah, big deal. Weird. Um, but if you listen to uh, Steve Albini. Oh. Steve Albini hates 57s. Oh, does he? With a pa- like, with a passion, it feels like. Oh, really? So Just so overrated? Yeah, hates them. So, you know, that's the, you never know. I use large diaphragm condensers for everything. Yep. <laughs> so, whatever. <laughs> but what do I know? Um, Carly wanted to know uh, where her keys were. What happened? Her question was, where did I put my keys? <laughs> Carly wins. Troll question of <laughs> That's the That's the episode. best troll question we've ever got. <laughs> um, uh, in your bag. I hope that's right. Not the other bag. There. So I'm in the one bag and Gord's saying, look in the other bag. Yeah, the black backpack. All right. Oh, specific. I hope it's right. We'll have to find out. Tune in next time. <laughs> um, Patrick asks, what's the deal with indies and cats? Why isn't it okay to own a dog? Oh. It's perfectly okay to own a dog. Cats are a mistake. 
Indies, indies are about failing hard and fast. We all bought cats and we're like, God damn it. Revert, uh, revert. I can't revert my cat commit. No, you're stuck with it. Stuck with him. Luca just in general wants more cat-related questions considering the podcast title. More time devoted to cats. You're going to get seriously different answers from both of us. Yeah. I think Matt's cats let him sleep. Oh, no. Oh. How no. are you so pro-cat? The the Brissa was, like, she does this. It's not even new. She's picked it back up lately. She she streams from being a complete asshole to try to get stuff done mm-hmm. to being, like, super cute. And she just oscillates between these two things with, like, okay, that's not working. Well, I'll try the asshole route again. No, right. wait. Okay, that didn't work. Back to the cute stuff. Right. Um. So her latest, lately, she uh, comes up to me when I'm sleeping in bed and n- nuzzles her face into my ear. Right. And, like, rubs it around really hard. Yeah. You can't sleep through that. Ever. No. And and she's the, she's the queen of just, like, oh, I know all the stuff I'm not supposed to do. Uh, I'm not getting a snack, so I'm going to go do that until you get me, like— you know, no, oh, I'm not supposed to go in the cu- I'm not supposed to go in the cupboards. I'm just going to try to break into the cupboards for a while now. Oh, you stupid cat. They were never meant to be pets. We realize this, right? <laughs> they want to be outside fending on their own, and we should have let them just do that until they went extinct or became just, you know, like, but that coy- was the thing. like coyotes. They, they domesticated themselves. They wanted to be there. Ah, <sighs> those clever bastards. Yeah. Uh... Uh, Luco, also, something you've always wanted to record but haven't slash can't. I'd like to record... An atom bomb. Oh, that's something. I was, I was going to say a tank. Like, a tank would be really fun to... Like, there's so much clanky bits and stuff going on and yeah. massive engine and just big, big, giant machinery. I want to know there's what an giant... atom bomb actually sounds like. Yeah. I don't. Because <laughs> I don't want to be around one. Yeah. But they should have had better mic setups in the 50s. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, those giant dump trucks at the giant open pit mines. Oh man! Like there's like big that stuff that could be arranged potentially. But that, that's that's within you know. We got, total, mine, we got mines in BC. Yeah, that's potentially like that's within shooting distance. The world's largest tree crusher. Ooh, that sounds fun. It's at the bottom of Williston Lake. <laughs> that doesn't sound recordable. <laughs> nope. Can't record it. Could have at uh, some point. So, yeah, ju- ju- big giant machines. The interior of a blue whale blood vessel with a hydrophone. Jay asked, all right, this was good. Um, how do you reconcile wanting the ideal sound, music, whatever, uh, but end up with something not ideal? You get a you know, project comes to you and you're like, this is my inside. I, I have grand visions, and then when it's done, it's it's not inside. This actually this ties this ties into a part of my talk that we we yep. did not go over. And uh, shorter answer might be money. Yeah, but the long answer is these are not the these aren't your games. Right. This isn't your game. You have been hired to work on this game. Mm-hmm. The end vision is not your end vision. It is the developer's end vision. And their, their say dictates yep. what the final quality is going to be. That's a totally good point. That that at the vast 97% of the time, you're not the end stakeholder. So no. as much as you've got a grand vision and maybe you don't hit it, that's, you know, it's it's not your fault yeah. that you didn't hit it because if, if you've done everything right, if you've had a vision and you've made a plan and you've tried to execute on it and it's come up short and somebody else has said, this is okay, mm-hmm. then it's okay. We have we have a game that I think doesn't sound good right now. Yeah, It's good sound design, but we never got to mix it. We never had middleware. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the developer just stopped asking for sounds, despite yep. the fact that we could clearly see there were new animations going in the game. Um, and they were putting out huge updates and stuff, yep. and I talked to them about it, and they said, nobody's complaining. Right. We feel investing more in audio at this point will be 
a matter of dimin- diminishing returns. Yeah. Very business-like mm-hmm. approach to it. And I knew that I know I know that this developer is a very business-like developer and they're very smart and savvy. Yeah. Um, and they'd rather be focusing their resources on the next project, yeah. which is going to be bigger and better and and will be more there will be more resources for sound for it. So Yeah, yeah there is kinda, a, it's it is a business at the end of the day. If you want to mm-hmm. create art, then go create art, but don't expect to be paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. So you just you you do the best you can. You shoot you shoot high. And you just sort of, it's it sort of, it almost sounds like a cop-out, but you just accept it. Yeah. When you don't when you don't get that, you just accept it and hopefully learn why you didn't hit the high bar you set for yourself mm-hmm. and shoot for that the next time. Yeah. I mean, fight, you know, a, you, you fight can, a little bit, but don't be a nuisance. Yeah. You know? Because you could probably figure out, you know, at the end of a project, your own little post-mortem, you can probably figure out why... Why did you not hit your lofty goals? What did you not have enough time, enough resources? Was uh, it not enough, in the contract? Did you not have enough money to do stuff? Yeah, did you not have it in the contract that you wanted these? Like how much you know, creative control did you give yourself? Yeah, you know. Yeah, all these things you can probably identify a couple of things and go, okay, next time around, getting that into the contract, getting that kind of control, getting you know more time, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you have things to fight for. You still might not get those, but you, at least you can identify what. You want to fight for, yeah. So you can raise your bar. Yeah, yeah. We've we've definitely run into that before. Yeah. Like we've had games where we've asked to have our names left off. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't we weren't allowed to reach the quality that we were happy with. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, ha- I had some fights about that when I was at EA mm-hmm. because the control had been taken away from me. You know, brutal things needed to be done to get the game to work, but the control had been taken away from me, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not doing it. I don't want my name on it then. Yeah, and I got into fights with the people involved until they gave me control back. I was like, I will do what needs to be done, but I needed to do it because my name's on the line. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. So. So yeah, if it's gone totally sour, that's not an illegitimate request. Yeah. If if they're if they have taken away so much control that you have no confidence in it being good, mm-hmm. it is it is your brand at, yeah. at stake. I feel that that is a. Don't do that until things have gone totally sour. Yeah. But it can be a wake-up call to the the devs involved if you're like, no, I don't want my name on this. Yeah. They might not realize that, you know, you think as a naughty person that it sounds so badly or that yeah. you, it could be so much better or whatever. But if you're just like, no, I don't want my name anywhere near this, it might or it, or just <laughs> the only time it's come up with us is when there's a game that's been in production for three years. Yeah, pops up and then they're they're like we're launching in a month. <laughs> do can you do the sound? Month. Yeah, we'll do what we can. Yeah, but we might not want to be mentioned. Right, just for the record. Yeah, yeah. If you have to bring it up, that's a like from experience. Them's some serious fighting words. Yeah, and and there is the real potential that that will not be taken well. It could. Turn on a light and be like, "Oh, I didn't realize this was as as bad as it is," or it very well also could be like, "Fuck you, contract killer," <laughs> you know. Yeah, so maybe you, that's a that's a dangerous card to play, but you can can play that if if need be. That situation that you're talking about is is I think a different one. Yeah, where you're like, "Hey, you know, we've been working on this game for two years. Can you can you do all the sound in two weeks?" You're like, I mean, like sure, we but. can do sounds. Yeah, we can do some sounds, but yeah. No guarantees, though. Well, we can do the best we can, but there that's it's an impossibility that we have time to iterate and make it like, yeah. good. So I think know? that's a different like from the get-go if you're like, "Hey, I've only got two weeks to do this and I'm totally going to do the best job I can, but I kind of don't want my name like out front on this because we all know that we don't have enough time to do it properly." Yeah, it's impossible. Right? Versus this has gone to shit. Take my name off it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's those are two different conversations. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Um, on that note, I think we're good. Any more announcements? Uh, there was some sound effects. Stuff You're going, going to on. have just missed it when this comes out. Audio Bash Three has happened. Yeah. We're doing our Seattle, Bellingham, Vancouver meetup once more. 
Um, so that's going to have gone down. Oh, I big announcement uh, that is in time. Uh, first annual Carousel Con Woo, is happening at GDC. Uh, I've got some people helping me organize this. Um, there will be buttons, so you know it's real because there's buttons. Uh, we are doing lunchtime micro talks out by the carousel. Mm-hmm. I am currently accepting submissions for talks until February 15th. Um, so if you've got a 10-minute talk, if you've never talked before, uh, if you're from a group that's underrepresented, you feel at GDC, um, talk to me. I'll have a link in the in the show notes. Uh, submit a talk. We've got six talk positions, and who knows what we might crowdsource on any given day. Right. Um, only real big rule, uh, two things. One, no, one rule, two rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, is we want talks to be uh, engaging and interesting and inclusive to new people as well as entertaining for veterans. Right. As well. Um, and the other thing is no talk can overlap with a talk that is going on at GDC. Ah, yeah, good. I don't want to steal any thunder from what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, give me submissions uh, and hopefully see you at GDC and CarouselCon. Yeah, right on. Um, we've our, we've scheduled our next Vancouver sound design meetup yep. for you Seattleites, Bellinghamites, Bellinghammers. Ah, Bellinghammers. Bellinghammers. Um, uh, the Bellinghammer Audio Bash. The, uh, and Vancouverites, it's going to be on Friday, March 10th. Yep. We're going to have Leonard Paul in. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, he's going to be talking about uh, pure data. Mm-hmm. And his the the soundtrack for the Beep documentary, which he did entirely in pure data, which we Talk talked about. about last month. Yeah, um, episode thirty five. Episode thirty five, and yeah, so that's going to be great. So if you're in the area and want to see even more about what, way more in depth, he yeah. talked about. Yeah, yeah, come out. You'll probably learn how to make a pure data patch. Sweet. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, that's it. That's us. Thank you. Bye.